Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz, and this is the show where I bring to life the true failures, the true successes, and the true learnings from recruiters and recruitment business owners. My mission is for this podcast to become the place for recruiters to learn from others and to give a real insight into what it's like to work in the industry so those considering a career in recruitment know exactly what they're getting into. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz, and today I'm delighted uh, to be joined by Rhonda D'Ambrosio, who is the owner of, I think I might have forgot this, Maida Consultancy Services. Now Um yeah, I'll just practice that about three times. <laughs> good morning, Nisham. Um, good morning. Um, thank you so much for um, coming in today. Been looking forward to this one. Um, and I think as, as obviously you were just saying, I've remembered my batteries and things like that, so you might have listened to a few. Um, but where I always, always like to start, obviously I think it's safe to say that you've been in recruitment for a while or involved in the recruitment industry. Yeah, over 20 years. Yeah, over 20 years, Jesus Christ. Okay, um, so... I want to cast you back to um, how you got into the wonderful world of recruitment. Let, let's start with that story and then I know that we want to, I want to try and take a different slant uh, to this episode to the normal way just because of um, what we spoke about on the phone before getting you in and those things. But mm-hmm. um, let's start there. How did you uh, enter the, the world of recruitment? Wow, the world of recruitment, it was a long time ago, 1997. Wow. Um, I went with my um, then boyfriend, okay. now husband, Wow! <laughs> nice. to um, an agency. He was applying for a new job and he went into high street agency, okay. um, Alfred Marks. God, I'm really showing my age. <laughs> I think they just changed to a deco. Oh, wow. And um, I was just waiting for him while he registered and got talking to the team. And at the time, I was a credit controller. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, um, I've got a bit of context as to what that is because I used to recruit an insurance and that's y- a bit similar. But... Yeah, you know, you're, you're chasing people yeah, for money. It, yeah. um, and I loved it. It was it mm. was it was a good job. What do you love I like about that. I like being on the phones. Okay, nice. I like collecting the money yeah. and and hitting the targets of collecting the mm. money. And so as I was talking to the team about what I was doing, they sort of said, "You don't seem like your typical finance person." Mm. Um, and it just happened that at the time, Medeco, because of the merger, her were considering. Um, almost decentralizing their accounting and payroll function oh. so they said look there might be a job here you think you'd fit in mm. I was laughing a lot and that's how I got in I went wow. in to do credit control and payroll for book attempts and I think the business realized that the majority of other branches were hiring admins and so the collection of the revenues wasn't quite as efficient as they would Mm. have liked to have hoped and they decentralized the process back to um, Boreham Wood. So I was given the option, do you want us to find you another credit control or payroll job or do you want to stay and learn recruitment? Nice. So I stayed. Wow, that's really interesting. It's slightly different, that one, isn't it? Yeah. Obviously, there are those stories where you go into an agency, you register for a job and they're like, by the way, you could be great at recruitment. Yeah. That sort of happened, but you... You, um, okay, so what, what led you to, so you were surrounded by that environment back then and, and saw what you saw, like what, what led you to take the path of, you know what, I'd like to learn recruitment? I think I was very fortunate to be surrounded by a solid team who had been doing it for a long time. Nice. And they, you know, that office type recruitment um, back then, I mean, I think it still is now, mm. very, very service driven. For sure. So very much about providing a really good level of service to the client and to the candidate. Mm. And they made it look easy um, and I learned a huge amount. 
down. It, you know, it it was fun. It was hard work. Um, but it, for me, it was like a transferable skill. So yeah, instead definitely. of phoning people up asking for money, yeah. it was much easier phoning and asking, oh, have you got any jobs we yeah. could work on? Yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, so it'd be interesting then. So obviously, as you was doing a credit controller job, like what... From what you was taking in around you, like what was your perception of what these people did as, as recruiters? Like, did or did you have a good context because your boyfriend was in? Was he in recruitment? No, no. Oh, he no. was registering. Sorry, yeah, yeah, he registered for a job oh, at okay. the local area. So, I guess my initial impression was that they were helping people. Really? Yeah, I didn't see it as uh, a heavy sales job, and I think this was such an established, um, you know, branch as mm. we used to call them of individuals that they made it look easy it was like follow the process do some basic thing and this will happen Mm. and you know you're surrounded by people that are billing you know what you perceive to be at the time huge amounts of money although I've subsequently seen even more amounts of money and um wow thinking yeah I can do this Mm. um I I like talking to people I like meeting people Mm. and I could I could sell. I could do that. Yeah, no, it's always it's always interesting because it's it's nice to view recruitment as yeah, all they do is help people with that. Um, I had another chap who viewed it like that, and then when he got into recruitment, he was like, "Fucking hell, no one told me about all the hard bits." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah, and yeah. There. So how long was you there for then? When you flipped to a recruiter, like how long was you there for? So literally about if I recall about five six months of okay. doing the the credit control and the payroll. And what was great was that I'd got to know all of the temps. Mm. So I oh, w- nice. I was doing the process. I was running the timesheets. I was. I was immersed in everything. Sometimes I was speaking to the clients because I was chasing the invoices. So actually... Good grounding. It was a brilliant grounding. Mm. Um, And also working to deadlines, Mm. um, understanding that you must Managing workloads, prioritising... All of that. Yeah, and I learned some great lessons. You know. So how long was you recruiter then for a decade? So I stayed there in total for about two years. Oh, nice, okay. Um, and I'd, it was a very established team, as I've sort of mentioned. Yeah. So they, they, there was the, there was no turnover, really. These mm. guys had been there a long time. You know, even one of the perm consultants who I learned a huge amount um, off of, um, Vanessa at Signet Resources now. Nice. I'd better give her a shout there. <laughs> nice. um, you know, she'd been there a, a very, very long time. And there wasn't very... It, I was limited as to where I could go. Okay. Go, there were two much. perm consultants, a temps Would consultant. Would you attempt? Did you go into temps? Or? Yeah, I went into temps that and then sense. they even created like a business development consultant role for me because that's where I'd, I'd almost... Yeah, you've you know, been chasing money, you've been making the calls. So if you're proactive from business development, you yeah. jobs. That's good. And I kind of wanted more. I wanted my own desk at that point. Really? I, I was, I'd sort of proven I could get the business. I could yeah. prove that I could fill the business. And the opportunity came up at another local business um, just down the road. And I took that. Mm. And that was probably my, you know, you, you, we all have a grounding or a solid sure. time in recruitment. And mine was there. That's when so I... So how long did you stay there for? I stayed two years there, yeah. built up a temp desk, got up to 70 temps. Oh, wow, nice. Um, made a good amount of GP a week. Yeah. Um, yeah, had a lot of fun, made a yeah. lot of money. So, so you was so um, recruited at Deca after being a credit controller for like two years. Yeah. Then you joined a more local agency. Yeah, where, an independent. And you was there for another two years. Yeah. Okay, and then you went straight into temp. What's so what uh, industry was this in? Uh, secretarial in office. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, so nice. you know, we were face to face interviewing every candidate. Mm. We were drilling down on exactly what they wanted. Mm. Again, brilliant grounding for what I went on to do. So then, after that, where did you end up? We'll come back to that, but just so then, so we can lay the sort of scene and foundation. So where did you go after that? Um, I went to Computer Futures. Oh, really? S three company. Yeah, oh, wow, okay. I went over to uh, the main head office as their business development manager for Thames Valley and the South Coast. Oh, wow, nice. Stepped into technology, 
Never looked at it Never, before. Really? Um, yeah, baptism of fire, working <laughs> in all, all the different verticals. Yeah. And um, loved it. I mean, it was just after 9-11 and the market had dropped out. And really? Yeah, a lot of the guys, some brilliant recruiters, but hadn't had to really go out and develop business. Mm. Jobs had been coming in. And then, you know, at the end of the millennium and then after 9-11, that stopped happening. And it was just a time piece, you know, working with the consultants um on helping and enabling them to have business conversations with customers mm. and you know hr people mm. were working just with hiring managers and, and the hiring managers when when everything was on lockdown stopped talking to recruiters wow. so, okay. so um, how long were you there for um i was there for um i didn't stay there too long okay about a year and a half i think i stayed okay. there cool. um and the only reason i left is because you know i i, I kind of felt i wasn't needed uh, very yeah. anymore i, I done what I went in to do Mm. it the s3 group of companies had um you know really good uh meritocracy really um and so it was almost I was very limited as to where I could go did I want to recruit again no I kind of loved I'd been working with them a contracts team of about 20 people Mm. permanent team of about 20 people and I, I kind of at that point started to think oh I'm I like managing I like developing people yeah. and so the next jump for me at that point was Crone Corkill okay cool where I stayed five years okay cool yeah because that's what when I saw your LinkedIn that's what I was waiting for that like long stint yeah that was the full five years so let's break down some of that because I think there's some good stuff in there that um hopefully we can unpack and talk about so I guess firstly what I always like to ask you can you we can um think about both times those two year periods like what how were so you obviously did well on the so you did clearly did well on the the second where you got like 70 temps you set yep. up to so any, any learnings from those first 12 months like were they difficult for you when you made the flip to recruitment or around that period was did you have any real difficult times or I think the hardest um time for me in truth was moving into the recruitment environment okay um, nice. you know it it was challenging in that you had it was predominantly females where I was working and oh, really? very strong characters. Mm. So trying to navigate those personalities and do your job mm. and do it well. Um, How big was it? Like, was it a quite intense? Well, you know, yeah, I would say it was intense. Mm. It, well, they weren't huge, um, but you had people that wanted to manage in a very specific way. And Mm. I think something that I talk about now, and I think we mentioned it on the phone, um, typically the people that get promoted in recruitment are the people that are very successful. Big billers. The big billers. And they're not always the best managers. For sure, yeah. So, you know, I learned um, what inspired me, Mm. what... um, How you didn't want to be managed. Yeah, how I didn't want to be managed. Yeah, so that, that was the challenge, the internal being managed in the right way and those yeah. things as opposed to the actual delivery and yeah and, yeah, yeah, yeah I love that she's uh, confident with that confident with delivery confident with doing the job confident with getting out and speaking to the customers I think um, looking back I was quite impatient I oh, wanted really? quite a lot very very quickly mm. um, I probably I, I've, I've never had a big attitude yeah. <laughs> maybe some people would disagree <laughs> um, but when I was younger I was very much well I've proven I can do it I've done it I want my next challenge yeah. and when well, you yeah, generally you jobs quite a bit yeah someone maybe say you were job hoppy in those first God, years yeah two years <laughs> what are you talking about that's a, that's a lifetime in recruitment they're like dog years <laughs> no yeah no that's fair enough obviously looking back in hindsight that's probably that sort of itch that you just kept trying to 
itch, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 I would say I wanted more. I constantly mm. wanted more, which has been an ongoing theme for really? my career. Yeah. What's next? What can I, how can I develop? How can wow. I, yeah. Okay. So a few other things then before we talk about the five year period. So any, so I mean, to get to that in that, those amount of runners in, in, um, two years is really impressive right that's that's really good going so any any sort of learnings around how you achieved that like anything that you looking back that you did you know that you did really well yeah do you know what I was talking about this to a client recently Mm. and I would say there was a I had a balance of making sure I did the new business stuff business development yeah yeah um but at the same time because of the relationships that I was building and the success that I was having with all of my clients it was farming so it was it was building out a business Expanding development the clients that you have yeah okay so you know hunting around those those clients mm-hmm. building out what you know I, I call a business development strategy yeah. of going for your low-hanging fruit mm-hmm. going for those sort of medium that medium term um, aim mm-hmm. for people that you know are hiring mm-hmm. or clients that you're already working with that you kind of want to develop into want further with, yeah. yeah and then the big the kind of the the big goal the long-term business mm. development of all oh, who do you want to work with what business yeah. do you want to work yeah, with? yeah why do i want to get in with them mm. oh well i know that mm. i've interviewed 10 people this week that have, mm. have got in there so early on you allocated enough time to those to those activities yeah the time i think the time management and it was it was relentless we did we we had the targets we had to make the calls and i remember saying to one of my managers <clears> you know why do i need to make 15 sales calls a day what what outcome am I looking for? Mm. And she said to me, well, you have to get at least two client visits. And I remember... What, each week? Um, book e- yeah, book, book client visits. Each week. Um, each week, but ideally from the calls that you're making, if you're doing 15 calls a day, you might be able to get two client meetings. Yeah, it was quite full on. Mm. Um, and I remember thinking, well... Well, what's my weekly visit target? Why don't I just do? If I do that, mm. then do I need do I need to make that many calls? Mm. And actually, that gave me a focus on quality. Nice. What what outcome am I looking for? Mm. What do I need to do to focus achieve on the that? outcome first? Yeah, because a lot of people, it's just like right. Okay, I got to do BD, and then like it's like I was there. I remember right. It's it's bit, next two hours BD. Obviously, you should obviously do a bit of planning, which yeah. I used to. Do. But I remember early on, it's like you just you just there. I'm not thinking about what actually success looks like at the end of those two hours. What the actual successful outcome is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's interesting that you read it that way. So a big a big part to your success then was that quite quickly you, you had the structure in place and the time management to make sure that you are um, allocating enough time to speaking to clients and then also existing clients. You're then are there other opportunities to get more out of this client and and squeeze more out of that orange? Absolutely. And Mm. it was getting in front of the client. Mm. You know, we were interviewing every candidate face to face. So when we were sat there, yeah, Mm. that's just what we had to do. And that was quite, when I, when I went into technology, I found that quite alien that to keep up with, you know, my peer group, I couldn't interview people face to face. Yeah, I heard that, I heard that, um, I heard that yesterday at an event I went to, um, one of the guys, I think his name is Paul. He's, he's, um, he was the, the owner of um, Darwin Recruitment. If you oh, okay, them. yeah. Um, he said when he was starting, someone asked a question because the panel was about going global and these things. And uh, he was saying, what about this guy asked a question, what, how do you meet your candidates or how are people dealing with that if you're placing people in EU countries and you're in the UK, right? And he was like, if I'm honest, I've, I've been recruiting in the IT sector since like the late 90s 
didn't meet anyone then. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's interesting you said that. Yeah. And I think what benefited me moving on from that was the, the way in which we interviewed was very thorough. Mm. And um, it was a foundation for competency-based interviewing, for really understanding yeah, what really people qualifying. wanted. Yeah. Okay, so big part of your success then was um, getting the business development piece right. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like you, you were really confident around that aspect of um, your role as a recruiter and I think fair to say you'll know better than well yeah you'll know better than me that um, that's probably one of the weakest areas for a lot of recruiters yeah. it definitely was mine I, when I got really confident for the first six months uh, sourcing and speaking to candidates and as soon as um, my director said right okay this is your market when you start cultivating and those things absolutely shit my pants yeah. so um, <laughs> but and then and then you then focused within um, S3 just the business development piece is that right That's is that right. what you said so then you helped so you said 9-11 these things happened which meant that we weren't getting as much inbound business people yes. were speaking to us so then you went in there to help these guys win business have yeah, the right get conversation get me out put me in front of your clients yeah. let's talk about that then and break that down is that what you talk, help a lot of recruiters with currently then some agencies that you do or um, a few agencies um, okay. I've got a couple of businesses that I work with that I'm doing what you'd call conventional recruitment training okay, although cool. I know we're going to get onto yeah, this yeah. my main focus is the resilience around okay cool cool so but that comes into business I'm sure anyway yes um, but um, let's let's unpack a bit of that then so what what were the sort of go-to well actually firstly what did you observe that these people were doing that didn't serve them well in terms of winning clients and and, and the business development piece like what did you notice quite quickly that these guys and, and girls weren't doing very well they weren't asking questions ah they were telling um okay and, that's interesting you know what they also um and you this is this this i know this is a few years ago but this is still very relevant for you sure. know, today's terms um they didn't have an understanding of their own value and what they could bring to the client they were yeah. trying to I speak to. I struggled with that initially. Yeah. And I think... Put the client on a pedestal quite easily. Absolutely. Yeah, and I had it this week. I said to um, good friends, my, my friends and your friends over at Hamilton Barnes. Oh, yeah, nice. Said to a group of the guys there, you know, when I hear you on the phones to your candidates, you guys are mm. just, you've got the confidence. You know what you're talking about. You know what you can do for them. You know how you can impact their career search. And there is a psychology. You touched on it. There's, yeah, a, there's sure. a, You know, not for everyone. It's, it, but we can call it a fear element if you want to. Mm. But it's like, oh, I've got to talk to the client. But all you need to do is to fix your mindset Definitely. in a way that, enables you to draw upon the skills that you have that are unique to you mm. because people buy from people yeah and i think if you sound like everybody else or you sound like you're reading from a script you don't sound as authentic mm. and if you can break down what it is about you as an individual that's going to benefit that client mm. draw upon the skills that you've got the tech that you you know you're working within or the market mm. that you work within and how that relates to how you make a difference it makes that first 20 seconds of the call a lot stronger yeah for sure definitely and those first 20 seconds are so key and important yes. aren't they yeah um okay so you notice these people weren't being curious <clears throat> they were so when you say telling what do you mean as in like what do you mean by that? So they weren't asking questions, but and they was, were telling. Yeah, you, you know, let me tell you what you need from me. Let me tell oh, you how right, I can okay. help you. Let me tell you what the benefit mm. is to working with us, but without actually understanding the need of the client. The need and understanding their own challenges in their world and, yeah. and those things. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think um, good business development is a combination of approaches. And, you know, there are 
always going to be different people that respond in a different way. Mm. But if you um, listen, this is no different to how we communicate with people on a day-to-day basis. Mm. Or if you make um, an <clears throat> effort to understand how somebody may need help, that's yeah. just how you're going to set yourself apart. Yeah, for sure. So help them with that then, I guess. Um, or that was one of the things that you noticed. Um, what did you What did you start drilling into these people then that was that helped them quite quite quickly? Because I think I, I do get quite a few messages around business development and yeah. how they can improve at it and those things. I'm sure there's a lot there, but back then, what what did you get these people to start doing differently that that got them more success? I'm hoping meet their customers, really get in front of their customers. So they didn't used to do a lot of that. No, mm. not not back then. Um, I think so, some some consultants did, um, and. Interestingly, coincidence or not, top billers were typically the individuals that were meeting their customers. Really? I worked with a great guy, actually. Um, again, still in contact with him today, Chris Rides. don't know if you know him. He's, no. he's over in the States now. And um, Chris used to book me the most meetings. I would say, right, where really? are we going? What are we doing? Um, he would always say, this is where we're going or this is where I want to go this month or here's a list of companies can you help me get into. Think about outcomes. I was always out with Chris um, in comparison to all of the other contract recruiters. And to me... It wasn't a coincidence that... That he was one of the best yeah, performers. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And I think, as you were, you were saying about being authentic, the 20 seconds, what, what makes you different and what do you believe in? And I think if you if you were able to get that face, definitely I, when you get that face-to-face, that mm. gives you an even more of an opportunity to, to really get that across. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a lot of the time the biggest value that recruiters have is the, the relationships that I can build and like you should trust me because look, if we meet, I'm going to understand your business, understand your challenges and those things. Um, but what I was going to say, so quick one on that, a bit, bit more tactics, like what, what's been your go-to or when you've helped people, like what's in it, how can people, if they want to go, you know what, actually I should be meeting more clients. Mm-hmm. How, what's the best way in your experience like to, spin that in a way that obviously the client goes yeah that definitely like let's definitely meet it's in my interest do you get what I mean yeah I've sort of I know how I used to do it but like I'd be interested to get your thought as to like so if I'm calling you and I'm saying look this is why we should meet yeah what would normally be your go-to advice to sort of spin it in the way do you know and I, I get this a lot I get cold called all the time yeah um and my biggest bugbear is people that tell me that we should meet because they could a benefit or they could mm. you know support me and they do that without, without knowing the yeah, yeah they yeah. do that without having demonstrated they've got any knowledge mm. of what I do mm. and as I said I I my business uh, and I know we'll get onto to this my business has evolved um many many years now I haven't been um you know an active recruiter and I still get cold call today about people that want to help me <laughs> um, yeah so um so it's so uh, so what you're saying is do your utmost to try and understand about understand their world under, try and get in your client shoes ask them some good questions be curious and then you can use that knowledge to spin it in a certain way right so i remember if i go back it's like right mr client um you've told me that you're not getting good quality cvs the people you are meeting um and you've ended up offering they're not committed because they're going to loads of other businesses or whatever and then it's about taking that knowledge and going right so look this is why we should meet. Yes. You've told me that the quality of CVs that you're yes. getting, they've got the right skills, but they're not the right personality. Um, 
me and you sitting down for 30, 45 minutes means that I'm actually going to really understand the brief. I'm really going to understand not only the skills, but actually the personality fit and, and those things. Exactly so it's about that. understanding that and then spinning it in yeah. a way where it's like, right, this is why we should meet yeah. because it's going to help us solve your problems and challenges from hiring. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, to tie into that, it is very easy to match acronyms, match skill set, match technical mm. um, specifications. The one thing that you can't really get is personality, personality and culture. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, just sitting down with a hiring manager or a business or understanding the environment can make a huge difference. Yeah. That, that's what I was used to say. It was like, I want to come into your office and soak up your environment yeah. because, look, you're telling me you're different to your competitors and, and it's because of the environment you have, the people, blah, blah, blah. I need to come in and suck that up yeah. so I can actually relate that. And what that means is you can then trust me even more to sell your business in the right way. Absolutely. Um, and those things. Cool. So five years yes. at the next business. Yeah. So what was you doing there? So I joined there. Um, I took half a step back and went in as a temps consultant with a view to being a managing consultant. Okay. Because you realize that you like the managing piece. You yeah. like seeing people progress and do things. Yeah. I, yeah. I like the strategic yeah. side of developing and building a business. But you then got your Roger sleeves up and... Started doing some uh, recruiting again. Yeah, went back into, um, in essence, what was a big brand um, that was owned by Crone Corkill. They were, they were actually um, bought by a company called Spherian, okay. um, which was a big US business yep. that came over. Um, they've, they've gone through many iterations and rebranding, but no, we, in out in the you know the Thames Valley, we didn't brand as Crone Corkill or FSS, these two well-known um, brands. We, nobody knew us. Mm. So it was like a startup. Mm. Um, and it was tough. It really? Was, yeah, it was it was a, a, a tough business, but fun. Mm. Um, very different culturally to what I'd left behind at Computer Futures. Mm. Um, but a, a, yeah, it's good, good stomping good ground. So, so when did you, um, so you as a temp consultant, how long did you do that for until you became a managing consultant? God, how long? I'm trying to think now. So you're a billing manager, right? When you About say you're a six, six months, yeah, maybe. And then a move over to managing consultant. So yeah, happened billing. quite quickly. Billing and then did you stay a billing sort of manager for the rest of your time there? I did, although, I, as I said to you on the phone, I had mm. my daughters when I was there oh, as wow. well. Um, and so initially I'd just, um, I can't remember if I'd just taken the managing consultant role or whether I got that when I came. No, I, I got the managing, man, managing consultant role. Yeah. Um, was pregnant with my first daughter mm-hmm. um, and wanted to come back flexibly working yeah. I wanted to do the three days and um was told unfortunately with the team that you've got this isn't this isn't a possibility not feasible, not yeah we need a full-time um person there which you know I had I had a good team I had a good senior we were we were quite established um left the business in good shape yeah potentially was going to come back to it in good shape um but unfortunately it was like no that's that's yeah. all well I think that's I remember doing a in the summer doing a women in recruitment week and some of the the ladies I had on who'd been who'd had quite a, a long career similar to yours I think that back then that was the biggest challenge right was obviously as a woman you get to the whatever age it is and you're thinking about building a family mm. but unfortunately that doesn't quite work out when you're in recruitment and you're working these late yeah. hours and those things and f- flexible working well no I need you smashing the phones all day like how are you going to be able to do that and you're not going to be able to produce as much in those three days and those things but 
it from what I understood in the conversation I had it ended up being a bit of a crossroads really for people like you it's like well yeah. I really enjoy this I do view it as a career but I'm not going to sacrifice having a family for yeah. this right um so it's interesting you said that so then and then was this when you started did you that when you went out on your own then after that period, yeah or? so well not 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 straight away okay. um so you again if you think think back mm. the tech wasn't in place to yeah. be able to work from home that's true. readily that's true. um companies were far more protective about you being able to access emails and database mm. outside of the office yeah, that's a good point. um so I, I remember i did i did have access but <laughs> dial up or something like that <laughs> um and what happened was I, 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 t- I, I said, right, okay, look, I'll come back full time. And then by chance, there was another role that opened up um, on the HR recruitment okay. team, which I was able to do. They said it was a more senior team. Um, but eventually, I, I, I went and had my second daughter yeah. and they decided to move the office. And okay. it was, look, we need you. Yeah, we need you to, you know, there's still a job for you. We want yeah. you to commute. Um, but you're, you, you nailed it. I was like, I've got a compromise and I've kind mm. of already been told that it will be difficult for me to progress all the while I want that element of flexibility. This was unheard of in sort of 2004. Mm. Um, and so with my then senior, who was sort of like the kid in the playground that pushes you forward, yeah. said, go on, have a fight. She was like, why aren't we doing this ourselves? Come really? on, make this happen. Yeah. So yeah, we, um, we set up MIDA Technologies as it was then, mm. which was a, a IT recruitment um, business servicing SMEs in the Thames Valley. And um, how long did you do that for? I did that from 2007 until 2013. Really? So yeah. really quite a long period? Yeah, long period of time. And what did you do that? Like, did you have like a shared office in like your back garden or something like that? Like, no. Do you know what? We, uh, I was really adamant that we needed to work out of an office. So we set up in a local Regis. Oh, nice. And I think we even used to say, look, you know, we are, we're, we're two mums and we're trying to make a living. Mm. Um, but we're not just working out of one of our bedrooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in hindsight, we would have saved a lot of money. <laughs> we had well, yeah, but the thing is like what you said earlier before we went live, like, <clears throat> and I, so when I, I, I catch up and do work on a week kind of whatever I'd, I don't want to be near home where it's easy to be distracted let yeah. alone obviously when you've got young children it's very easy yeah. to be like mum can you do this or whatever and then all of a sudden that's turned into 30 40 minutes when you do you know what I mean so I, I totally get that um so quite a lengthy period then that you yeah. worked together and so did you how did you operate that business did you work three days a week or like did you was it like really quite flexible or yeah we were I did I did um three full days Deborah did um three full days nice. we used to obviously talk to our clients and say you're getting you know 1.1 person um working on your accounts and working with your business and mm. it was a great setup and you know the the beauty of it was this is somebody that I trusted implicitly that I worked with Maybe. um wasn't just a friend somebody that I knew was an exceptional recruitment very very service driven yeah. on the candidate side so it worked quite nicely that I was very very service driven on the client side and um, you both had young families yeah we okay. at the time we launched um my daughters I had a three-year-old and a um 18 month old and yeah. Deborah's daughter was two and a half and we did it because we did want the flexibility mm. but still structured so we still wanted to have the career and do the job and mm. um, and I would say and we throughout all of that time working in a part-time capacity yeah. probably still gave more in terms of 
really? contribution. Yeah. Because I'm sure it's like, you know that you've got three days. So like it's automatically, you know, those three days, you've got to be even more focused yeah. than you would be if you was there for five days. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, cool. So I guess any, any sort of key learnings, because I'm keen to go into the sort of second half of, uh, <laughs> um, but any, any, <clears throat> any key learnings through that journey with dealing with another person? Because I've had a couple of messages where there's loads of people out there that, um, got to position which you did maybe not have a young family or whatever but wanted to do it for themselves yeah. and I know a big challenge is like obviously you did it with Deborah and that's great that you did it with someone but a big challenge which again comes down to, to mindset and those things is like going from that office environment and those things to them on your own mm. in your back garden or whatever at the, at the start can be really quite difficult yeah um so I don't know any, any key learnings across that along that journey I'm sure there's a lot but any key learnings that jump out that you think people could get some value from yeah do you know it's i think there's a balance to to what you're saying and and certainly something that i've embraced in the last few years with regards to what you get from working by yourself Mm. and what you get socially from the people around you and you know as human beings we are social and we do need contact so i think being we put ourselves into a a shared office space we um we started off in our own office but yeah when we figured out we're only doing a day together we found it far more um rewarding i don't know if rewarding is the right word but um beneficial to work out of business lounges that was nice. that started to emerge so that's that's probably some good advice isn't it yeah if, like if it's affordable or whatever and not yeah not because you don't think you're gonna get distracted or whatever but it's actually i guess just to soak up the sort of energy around you and you don't feel like it's just you banging your head against the wall and trying to make stuff happen but yeah. you can you can see other people on their own journeys and those things i can see that being beneficial yeah um cool so then after that what happened so um uh, 2013 so I, I yeah we talked about on the phone didn't mm. didn't we so um deborah and i doing our thing um you know enjoying it as i said lifestyle business yep, so yep. you know we were making sure we balanced it and um quite suddenly my mum got ill okay. my mum um at the beginning of 2013 had sort of um she'd, she'd been slowly losing her voice mm-hmm. and her mobility was a bit she was a bit wobbly mm-hmm. and um she'd the previous kind of nine months before that, she'd been in and out of hospital trying to get uh, some... Find out what was going on. Yeah, what is going on. Yeah. And, you know, the doctors were kind of saying, oh, there's a thousand things that could be if you lose your voice. There's yeah, a yeah, thousand yeah. things that could be if you also lose yeah. your mobility. Um, but she was admitted to hospital in the March of 2013. And um, what followed that was a motor neurone disease diagnosis. Wow. And um, she had a very aggressive type of motor neurone disease called called bulbar palsy and what that meant was that we had a very finite amount of time escalate quite quickly very quickly yeah yeah. she was terminal by the june wow and as that was all going on you know i said to deborah i needed to be fair to her um i i i I was sat outside my mum's flat actually we were waiting for the speech and language therapist to arrive yeah and um I remember taking a call from a client I was working with yeah. um, who was talking to me about managing uh, interviews for assessment centre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, and I kind of was sat there thinking, you know, I, I love my job, I love my career, but I, it's really... You just had a different perspective. Yeah. You had a bit of perspective, like, I don't want to be spending time on this right now. Absolutely. And so I said to Debs, look, I think I need a step back. I'm still still here, still working, but I I, I knew at the point... You need to focus your energy and time. I didn't have very much time left with my mum, so... um, 
and Deborah, and there is some comedy in this. You know, Deborah turned around and said, "Oh, thank God you said that." You know, I've, I think I'm, I'm I'm done with recruitment now. <laughs> I'm like, "What? I just want a break." Really? Yeah. And um, but we we agreed that we would set up um, another business. Okay. And um, which we did. It was an e-commerce business, something totally different, okay. selling to deal sites, um, which was very much, but kind of like what our husband was doing. Okay. And. Um, my mum sadly passed away in the August. So uh, it was, it was a a weird time. I was quite insular. Um, You know, watching somebody. Yeah, I've got two elder sisters, uh, two elder sisters. Um, It's one of those things, if you've been through it, it can be all consuming, which it was. Um, You know, I had very young young children at the time Mm. as well, about seven and six. And, um, I said to Deborah, you know what? The e-commerce business, I'm not really enjoying it. It's, yeah. the, again, there's no, the, the, the type of social contact, yeah, human yeah, yeah, relationships yeah. wasn't there. Um, and we basically agreed she would take that business yeah. um, and absorb that into her husband's company. Yeah. And I decided that I was going to go out and educate myself and retrain and mm-hmm. um, expand on the training and development that I'd done for a few ad hoc clients. Sure. Um, more around mindset, quality of thinking. And, and what led to that? Because I think we spoke about it on the phone, wasn't it? Wasn't it to do like your your mum throughout the journey until she passed away? Like she had this really powerful perspective on life that really resonated with you. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, that is right. It was it was weird. We um, my mum got the diagnosis, and and um, even with motor neurons disease, when people can't communicate, yeah. their mind is still sharp yeah, as yeah, a pin, yeah, yeah. and. Um, my mum had kind of communicated to us, look, I'm not going to let this beat me. You know, I'm going to fight it. Nice. And we sat there, me and my sister's going, do, does she understand? Well, of course she understands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't understand fully mm-hmm. um, myself what my mum was going through. Going through. She was saying yeah. Things, yeah. Until after we lost her. And I suddenly thought, do you know what? In the whole time, she never let her beat her. She never went into a depression. She never lashed out. She took every single day as it came. She she didn't let her circumstances dictate how she felt. No. She couldn't change what was happening to her. She felt the emotion of what was happening of course, to yeah. her, but she chose her response to it. It's like and control the controllables, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I found that hugely... Empowering. Um, yeah, empowering, inspiring. And I thought, do you know what? Yeah, I want to do I want to know some, more about that. Yeah. I want to tap into that. Yeah. And then, so, so then, so what sort of um, training, so the whole mindset piece and those things, what sort of training? So I studied emotional intelligence okay. and I did my NLP practitioner. Okay. Um, still still studying my master practice. I've got to get around to doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and coaching. Uh, yeah. You're not life coaching as such, but I kind of, um, for me, it was all of those elements of, you know, how people can support themselves. Um, some CBT in there as well. Mm-hmm. And What's that, sorry? Uh, CBT, so it's like cognitive behavioural therapy. Okay, cool, yeah. And very much the, the whole framework of what, how my, what we just said about how my mum yeah. dealt with it, that's almost, <laughs> take it out of the CBT out. Yeah, uh, yeah, framework, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so then took all that information and then did, did it come quite natural to be like, wow, okay, I could actually, all of these things that I've learned could really help those in high pressure environments recruitment or whatever like was that did that naturally quite happen or um i think 
I wanted to be all things to all people. I thought, yeah, I've got this, I've got this new I set of tools. Everyone. I can do everything. I can help everybody. And, then, and actually what you do learn when you, when you do coaching is the best coaches are those that um, facilitate people being able to get there themselves. Yeah, definitely. So not telling people what they need to do and what mm. they should be doing, um, but working with them through a process to... Yeah, showing them the path, but they've got to walk down it themselves, 100%. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I, I, I kind of decided that you know what, I need to give back a bit. So I went out and did some talks to different businesses, got the opportunity to speak at some big events. Nice. Um, and I then approached um, somebody that I'd worked with at Computer Futures um, who had just uh, launched this quite revolutionary business, which was a, um, a, a virtual recruitment company mm. and he was telling me about it one day over coffee and saying look this is great this is the tech we use yeah. and I'm going oh my god wow this is brilliant yeah. you know this is everything I wanted in 2004 and <laughs> yeah. couldn't have um, and the reason I found it um, just quite, you know j- just an amazing um, <laughs> you know thing was because everybody was still working together there was the, the tech enabled them to collaborate they were all mm. on video together they could all talk together mm. so I thought this is great but also at the same time I remember sitting down and saying to him you need me in your business um, you know because these individuals are all at home on their own and there is definitely something to be said about how we naturally reframe our mindset when we leave our homes or yeah. we you know we leave our houses mm. um, have an argument with 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 your husband or your partner um, or the kids you just walk out the house and go into you know London yeah, or to yeah, the office yeah, yeah. by the time you come home you you know your your emotional brain is quietened down a little bit yeah, yeah, and yeah. you're able to react in an appropriate way if you can't escape Escape that environment where those things are happening or driving mm. you a bit err mm. um, you just need a bit of support to yeah. be able to yeah you've got to come up with some habits or some practical things that you can do to then absolutely get into a better space. Yeah. Was, so is that where it started then yeah it was great actually and I said to him I said you know this I've got some ideas I've got um, something I want to develop uh, you know, in recruitment, we're very driven by KPIs, yeah. and I had developed a what I call an HPI, my Human Performance Indicator Framework. Oh, nice. And um, the idea of that is to be able to sit down with somebody and, in a non-invasive way, diagnose how they might be feeling, whether it's positive or negative, and then put um, a structured plan of action in place to, to help them. Mm. use the right tools to to get through that or to really understand why they might be feeling in a certain way or if they're all great emotions to then model that success and that excellence for another good month how do you help people how do you help people communicate that in the right way because like how many recruiters sit down with the manager and they go how are you feeling today yeah do you know what i mean like how often does that happen i'm not sure like it might come up in conversation depending on the relationship you have but it's obviously as you know it's more focused on have, how's your week been like what things could you improve on like th- those things do you know what I mean so absolutely how, wh- how how do you help people communicate that in the right way because obviously not a lot of people have had to communicate that no and I think this is where we're, we we move into the realms of what I'm doing now yeah um but I'll, I'll just go circle on the journey yeah, because yeah, this sure. ties into, you know, I was very fortunate that I was given an opportunity to go into this business and to sort of work with this team on yeah. personal resilience okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. to help them. And um, I was working with somebody that was very supportive of this initiative, mm-hmm. which is why it was an incredible shock when he decided to take his own life. Wow. Um, and I, I get asked a number. Is this of, a uh, guy? 
Yeah. Is it male? Okay. Yeah. How and, old was he? Um, he was nearly 50. Okay. And interestingly, I, for a long time when I was talking to people um, about this, because everyone would say, oh God, you've stepped away from your business after so long. Why have you joined this company? Yeah, you've yeah. gone, you know, why? And I, I you know, I... This was a business that I cared very much about. I cared mm. about the people in it. One of the the other the other founder at the time was based in India. He hadn't come back over to the UK. Um, the other guy was a founder who wasn't fully in the business. He was yeah. more of an investor. And so for me, it was I. I these are, I'm a recruitment director. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I can grab and mm. help this business and support it. Mm. Um, and interestingly, whenever I've talked about it in the last year, I I was using language which is the founder passed away, the you know we lost the founder, the founder died unexpectedly, and I went out with um, met up with his wife a few months ago actually, yeah. and she said, you know why are you why are you talking about it in that way for someone that's such an that's advocate of mental health? And I I sat down and thought, why am I doing it? And I sort of said, well, I think I'm trying to be respectful, but actually. Um, no, it, yeah, I, I yeah. should talk about this, yeah. and you know, and, sh- and I said to her, "Are you happy with me describing it in that way?" What did she said, "She said, yeah. You know, I describe myself um, as a widow. My husband took his own life, and yeah. you know, if if we are going to get this messaging exactly, out there, yeah. and if we are going to try to um, reach the people that feel it's not okay to talk about it." The only way we can have that sort of impact is by talking about our own experiences. Talking about it, yeah. yeah. Okay. So then I guess, <clears throat> did that, obviously that, that shock then and, and going through that experience, then what then that led to the sort of continuing to try and help people with the, the resilience piece and, and those things. Yeah, like, well, like that for me, it was, it was a difficult one because it went on hold because, the, you know, supporting this business and being part of this business became a very personal endeavour. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, and, you know... The team, it but it bonds you, it bonds Imagine. you, you know, and um, and so for the time being, it was an interest. I still kept my learning, but getting this business solid and stable, and and sort of having the foundations to to grow off of was really mm. important to me. And you know, it, we got to the point in at the end of two thousand and eighteen, at the beginning of this year, where the business was in a different shape. The um, the two founders were more involved in the business and I was like you know what as much as I love it and as much as I want to be a part of its growth um, and I love the concept you know they're doing some great stuff they're even developing their own platform to take to market to for mobile enablement and and I think that all ties into discretionary effort and everything else as much as I love that and I love the guys um yeah I I kind of at this point I was itching to get back to doing what I want to do mm. which is supporting businesses mm. and helping managers or individuals have those conversations beyond just the how are you doing yeah. you know making it more accessible mm. and what are you so what are you hoping can from 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 obviously encouraging to have those conversations what are you hoping that's uh, how are you hoping that's going to help people you know what I mean so what what's the whole reason behind why managers and um, individuals need to be having more conversations around how how are you feeling and, and those things it's particularly in the recruitment world God I know we haven't got long and that's I right, that's so right. Much no, we've um, got time. I think our industry is indicative mm-hmm. of um, I'm not going to say mental health mm. problems 
but common mental health disorders. Mm. There's a huge amount of pressure that we place on ourselves and that we place on our teams yeah. to meet these goals. And I definitely think we're in a different shape than the one that we are renowned for from the 80s and 90s. Yeah. People are more open to it. But, um, you know, more than that, and something that I talk about a lot, it's to help companies understand that if, if you invest or make this sort of intervention by supporting the people that work for you, there is a business case to say that the return on investment for every pound you spend is £1.50 to £9. Nice. That's from the government's Thriving at um, Work report. Okay. So these initiatives aren't... You know what? Yeah, let's be decent human beings and, and facilitate that because yeah. it's the right thing to do, but also it benefits business. Mm. So tying it back to, yeah, exactly. So it's tying it back to actually, this is why there's actually a business benefit to it. But Absolutely. actually, why, why would you not want more happy employees yeah. and, and those things, right? Yeah. So, so what, um, let's dive into um, some of the things that you're seeing then. <clears throat> if, if you're helping agencies have these types of conversations, like what, what so what, what's your view on sort of mindset, mental health and these things in, in the, the recruitment landscape? So it's not something obviously that obviously it's had to be much of a focus, right? Mm. Before. Yeah. But like when you're going into businesses, <clears throat> like I guess from what I can see in the conversations I'm having, it is becoming more and more important. And, and agency owners that I've spoken to are definitely trying to cultivate an environment where it is okay to, yeah. to talk about um their mental well-being and these things um but yeah what what some what are some of the observations that you, you've had and, and then we can dive into some of the tactics on how people can deal with the, the ups and downs of, of working in the sales and recruitment environment so i guess there's a couple of things in there yeah um most of us are supportive of other human beings definitely yeah um as a business owner, and especially as a small business owner, sometimes there's a difficulty in almost meeting both of those needs. Mm. You know, you want to be a good human being, but you're also trying to run a business. Yeah. And I think um, the larger companies, I'm definitely seeing a trend moving more towards them trying to support. Yeah. Um, more and more recruitment businesses are putting into place mental health policy. Yeah. And, you know, we've got Mental Health Awareness Week coming up. Mm. And for me, it's been phenomenal to see how many people want to engage and to focus on um, well-being. Mm-hmm. I think that's also another... Um, it's a it's a bit of a, a paradox because when you talk about well-being um in our industry it, it, it <laughs> you get these thoughts of fluffy yeah. occupational health massage i don't know if you know sanctus those guys put some brilliant um uh, podcasts and, and videos out and you know don't get james started on talking about his fruit bowls you yeah. know it's about going beyond that yeah. and really trying to make a bit of a difference so i think um there's a lot of criticism about people only doing things within mental health week. Um, yeah, that's but true. what I'm trying to do is to say, look, give your guys the toolkit to build their personal resilience, especially the younger generation, because the more life experience you get and the more challenges you face and you overcome, like I've done with losing my dad, losing my mom and yeah. everything else, you know, everyone's got their own story, yeah. but that builds resilience. And when, 
when we bring in, um, you know, go back to when you first came into recruitment yeah. and you may not have um, known what to expect and the challenges yeah. and... Yeah, you don't get taught anything about how to, how to cultivate more resilience. You yes. definitely, you know it's important, you yeah. know you have to have it. But that, that came, for me personally, that came from just the, the self-exploration of trying to, yeah, build up my perspective and yeah. focus on the right things. But that, yeah, no, you're totally right. It's not like I never had a conversation once like look Hisham try and start this habit or ritual whatever that's really going to help you build this resilience yeah so it's totally right it's like yeah I couldn't agree more so how do you go about doing that then it's hard (laughs) yeah it's hard of course it is (laughs) it's hard to it's hard in terms of um, helping businesses understand what the value is to them but for me there is an education if you can educate people about very simply how their brain works and I you know I will always say I'm not a doctor I'm not a scientist but I'll break it down Um, if you can explain to them that there are these components within their brain that work in this way that it's not about them Mm -hmm. and this is you know have you read The Chimp Paradox do you know much about The Chimp Paradox no but I've I've heard about so you're talking about the most evolved part of our brain and what it's wired to do and I I like The Chimp Paradox but I also think um, what it does is it gives people this this get out and I'm thinking a very good friend of mine Lindsay <laughs> yeah. um, who will say oh it's not me it's my chimp oh it's not me it's my chimp so there, there's yeah. an apportioning blame you can do if you say oh well, I've got an animal living inside of me mm. um, but I always break it down in the simplest form that you've although I from a scientific point yeah. of view you have three brains I say you have two you have yeah. your emotional brain and you have your thinking brain yeah. and if you can educate people and managers and owners of businesses mm. as to how these work yeah. and give them the tools mm-hmm. on how to reprogram ever so slightly yeah. rewire or build that resilience and understand actually probably as well yeah and it, it depersonalizes it where yeah. you think this isn't it's not because i'm a mess yeah, or i'm yeah. a terrible person i can't help it yeah we the the best analogy i've got for it is it's like having a computer with all of these new apps on it yeah but you're still running off of a really old operating system Okay. Right, our brains are wired to the to Neanderthal man. Yeah, hasn't really evolved in that sense. We're still mm. scanning the, the you know the the landscape for threat of dinosaurs chasing yeah, yeah, us. Yeah. And so, what are you talking about? The fight and flight sort of thing there. Yeah, or what? yeah, yeah. And and the fact that you know we we now have all of these modern day survival threats. Yeah. Email, boss, you know, nagging yeah, yeah, partner. Yeah. And BD call. Yeah, BD call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And, and, you know, yet your brain will still do, the, do a cortisol stress yeah, response. Yeah. So your body is actually going to feel like it's seeing a dinosaur or the threat. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So in simple terms, you know, what I would, t- what I would typically do in a one-on-one or with a yeah, group yeah, yeah. is, right, let's break this down. Let's break down the aspects of what you've got going on and, you know, almost prioritise, triage what needs, what, what needs urgency, mm. what needs to be looked at now yeah. and, and, and help them understand how to do that and what the benefit is of doing that because that also in turn improves quality of thinking. Yeah, of course. So let, let's dive into, so what things do you tend to talk about when you do try and obviously help help these individuals with build resilience and, and personal resilience? Like what things do you tend to talk about, right? So there's a lot of mindset mm-hmm. things in there, rewiring, trying to obviously 
cultivate the right um, perspective and these things, right? But what other things do you talk about if that's, I don't know, you try and get them, encourage them to start certain habits or do certain things? Like yeah. what things do you end up sort of talking about quite commonly? I typically come back to emotional intelligence. Okay. And I don't know if it was on your podcast I, I heard you talking about this. Somebody was talking about self-awareness. Yeah, yeah. Now, I always talk about the balance between self-awareness and almost social and relationship awareness of those yeah. around you. And, you and know, is that emotional intelligence? Yeah. yeah, you know, that, yeah. that those almost form half the yeah. <laughs> the model, so yeah, to speak, yeah, Daniel yeah. Goleman's okay. model yeah. of emotional intelligence. And, and that is, you know what, yes, we need to be self-aware, but there is a danger in being too self-aware yeah, and definitely. then being in your own bubble. Yeah. If you can put yourself in multiple perspectives, then, you know, you can open up your views on what somebody else might or might not be dealing with. You know, yeah. I, I one of my presentations, I talk about road rage, you know, cars yeah. <laughs> that cut in and we get so angry that they're, they're cutting yeah. in and trying to get in front of us. But we're not thinking about well, what happens if they've got a family member that's sick. Or oh, I, was, I was that annoying guy in the office where if someone, because I used to commute like an hour and quite a lot of my colleagues did. Yeah. And um, look, I've, I've said it a few times, but I, so I was in the office at eight people and I was... As I said to you, like four years ago, had the epiphany that investing in Hisham Azusa is the best decision I can make. Yeah. So I went on this whole, yeah, trying to understand myself, mindset, perspective, these things. By this point, I was in recruitment. I, um, yeah, I'd, I'd done quite a lot of that. And I was a guy in the office where someone came in and when they came in and the opening sentence was, oh God, the traffic was so bad this morning. And all this, instantly, I'm that guy who's like, yeah but is it that bad like do you know what I mean like there's like straight away you could be like yeah but there's people out there dying you can't drink all, all these things right yeah. that's what's going from my head but obviously it's not it's not always the best way to approach it no, <laughs> but I get where you're coming from because I'm that person I'm like is it that bad though like why are you getting so angry like yeah. why are you letting that trigger you like yes you, that that's that's straight away my perspective on that it's like come on like you are driving a car let's focus on being grateful for that you can actually drive yep. a car to work yep. right so yeah i totally get why you'd use that because for me i'm the same I'm like, but I, again i i wasn't that person i no. i used to deliver pizzas for Domino's, and i used to just rag it around i used to get annoyed <laughs> at things like all these things but as you said when you learn certain things it's like well hang on a minute so i get what you i get what you're saying yeah and do you know what the the, the way our, our neurochemistry works in yeah. our brains we automatically follow the path of least resistance yeah? yes we do. that's just what we do yeah, right yeah. how often when you get out of bethnal green tube station yeah. do you take the long way around in case you see something different or in case you yeah. meet somebody new yeah you don't yeah, yeah, you yeah. want to go from A to B as quickly as possible. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of the work I might do with individuals is getting them to, to literally go go off the path. Yeah, I like that. I can't remember who I listened to. It might have been um, it might have been uh, Grant Cardone, which you might have seen. He's in the sales right world, right? So yeah. um, I can't remember. He, he it was a podcast. Be or obsessed like, or be average. Yeah, that yes, guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, he said something that really resonated with me, and it was when I was in sales and recruitment, and it was. Um, he was saying, because obviously a lot of people are like, you've got to love everything that you do, follow your passion, all these things, right? Yeah. Which is obviously practical in some sense. But he was saying, fuck that, love the stuff that you hate doing. Yeah. And that, that, that when, and then I started looking more into that and it really resonated. It's like, hang on a minute, actually, if I get really good at doing the things that I have loads of resistance to, yeah. that's, 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 there's going to growth there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I'd, so that resonates with me because I remember 
when I had those those weird feelings in my body going, fuck, I've got to do BD now or I've got to yeah. do this, I've got to do that, I'm thinking, if you've got two options, right? It's like, okay, I'm path of least resistance, yeah. I'm not going to do it. Or that means I need to do it, let's go. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So that I, when you realise that and that resonates, it's like, okay, I'm feeling this way now, I shouldn't go up to speak to that person, I shouldn't do this. It's like, actually, no, that means you need to do it. Yeah. And, and use that as a driver and an indica- indicator that that's the path to growth. Yes. And that, that's what you need to be that's doing. brilliant. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's interesting you say that because when I realised that, I was like, fuck's sake, right, okay, now that makes sense. And, yeah. uh, but no, you're totally right. Obviously, we're, we are wired to the path of least resistance. We are. We? And, mm. and the other thing, you know, the go-to, one of the go-to exercises I'll always work on with people is the assumptions you know, we make assumptions. Oh, we do, don't we? We make deletions. And our, this is our brain. This yeah, is the survival yeah, yeah. piece, you know? You know, it, it's just what we do. But, you know, I hear people are so resolute. Well, I know. And even if my husband, I, had a, I, I, was, I was having a, you know, one of the normal marital yeah. disagreements that you have. And I think I said to him, um, well, you don't know that I was going to do that. <laughs> and he said, I do know. I, I, I know you. And yeah, like, yeah. Look, I agree that you, I, he hates it when I get like oh, this, when I go into work mode. Obviously you know me. But... I, yeah, I said, yeah, obviously you know me and you, you, you've got a good idea of, of the things that I, my go-to mm. responses, but you, you don't know. You're making an assumption yeah. that that is what I yeah, would yeah, yeah. do. Um, and, and do you know what? That's just human nature. Um, yeah. But when we're talking about growth and mindset and for me, helping people combat negativity yeah. or impact that um, disintegrating confidence, mm. those are important things to mm. be able to check yourself on mm. um, and, and be able to say, is this real? Self-awareness. Yeah. It? You know, mm. can I, is that right? What? Mm. I mean, again, my, my 15-year-old hates it when I, I go, what, can you evidence that thinking? <laughs> Mum, will you stop coaching me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can imagine. Let, let's, um, let's get super practical real quick then. I want to obviously make sure people get a lot out of um, this, your perspective and, and what you teach and stuff. So if I'm a recruiter, a manager, whatever, um, and yeah, I, I, I do find it, like if I was to sit down with any agency owner and go, what, what makes a good recruiter? They're all going to use the word resilience yes. at some point, yeah. right? And that's something that you really focus on. If that's within mental health, a big part of its men- mindset, etc. But let's get real practical, real quick. Like, what what are your go to things that if I'm right now struggling to have that resilience or having resilience to help me through the tough times, the ups and downs of recruitment, mm-hmm. right? What what things are you talking to me about? So you, we mentioned quite a lot. Let's just make it super simple and, and practical. Yeah, like what, what things are you are you go to if I'm telling you that and people listening are going, you know what? I do find it hard sometimes. Pick up the phone again, keep going, and yeah. and, and those things. So what what things are your go to to help with people? So a, a really simple thing that everybody can do, mm. yeah, pen and paper stuff, yep. um, is to write down each of those different elements that are either weighing on your mind or making up the job that you're doing and score yourself out of 10. Nice, okay. Yeah? And you can do that either in terms of how happy you're feeling with everything right now or how unhappy you're feeling. And what that does is it gives you the ability to drill down very quickly on the areas that you, you need to work on. Yeah? Okay. Not saying the other stuff isn't important. Just to be honest, like be really honest with be yourself. Be honest with yourself. Yeah. yeah? And, um, y- you know, you can do this for personal life 
yeah, or work. Yeah. What well, does that help you do then? Just like visualize it and just break down. Yeah, I think it helps you ask yourself questions. So again, yeah. what you then do when you start asking yourself questions, you engage the logical part of your brain, yeah. your neocortex, not your hippocampus, yeah. which is the emotional part. Yeah. And um, the more questions you ask yourself, the more you are diagnosing well yeah, yeah. do I really you're feel gonna this find the answers if you ask questions yeah and we don't do it you know I, I I've been a massive advocate of values-based interviewing for a number of years and whenever I do um, a core value exercise with an individual people I say talk to me about who you are what's important to you what's yeah. your life made up of yeah and I've never maybe one person that's been able to go bomb, 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 bomb. Yeah. We don't you do don't it. don't think about it, do you? Yeah. So um, benefits are twofold. You'll ask yourself the questions and you'll be able to really understand what it is about that that you, you, know, you might, be able, might need to address. Mm. Um, the other thing that you can do, if, if you are susceptible to sort of thinking in a negative way, is you can track it. Yeah. Okay. Um, of course, it, it definitely helps to go through it with somebody else. I have to say that, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. No, of course. <laughs> it's what I do really no, well. No, no, definitely, yeah. And I try, but I try and make it fun. So I try to make sure people understand that they're not alone, right? So even yeah. when we throw out the, even when you throw out the statistic, one in four individuals or adults is going to have a mental health, common mental health disorder a year. Yeah. Um, it's helping people understand that that isn't necessarily the same person. So in if there was four of us in this room, it's yeah. not like me saying one, two, three, four. Oh, Hisham, you're the person. Yeah. It's it changes. It's ah, it changes. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm. One in four. That doesn't mean it's always going to. Be, all of us going to experience something. That's my yeah. You know what? I'm really glad you said that. Like that's so. I'm reading. Um, I'm, I'm reading. The, I'm just going to go on my phone quickly. Um, because I've been reading a book on this. So I've had a couple of friends who've have gone through that. It's exactly what what you said. Like yeah. it changes, and and you you have to ride the waves of life, and and things change. Your yes. circumstances change. These yeah. things, right? So I'm reading a, a book called Lost Connections. Okay. Have you read it? No. I really recommend it. And anyone listening who's interested in, on this topic, so. This guy called Johan Hari. I'm listening to the audio book at the moment. And um, yeah, me and my friend are reading it at the moment, really enjoying it. And basically it's a guy, he's from East London actually. And um, since he was like 18 years old, he's, he's been on antidepressants yeah. and, and he, he's lived that life, right? And he did that until I think his early 30s. And the book essentially is all about, he, he went on this journey saying, this, this can't be it. Like he basically went from taking a 10 milligram antidepressant all the way to 30 milligrams or whatever, yeah. right? And he went on this journey and he's interviewed over 200 people who are either have gone through depression and these things and, and anxiety, depression, uh, and he's also interviewing specialists and why is it that antidepressants are perceived as the best solution and why yeah. are they getting prescribed so easily and these things, right? And he, yeah, he talks about <clears throat> he talks about all these things. So I definitely recommend it because it's a great self-education yeah. thing. And this is why I wanted to, to get you in and try and do something with the podcast because I think in the online world obviously you mentioned you're really passionate about mental health and this mental health awareness we can for my opinion I've, I've, I've said this before is that I, I think it, it's a word really easy to use now it's great that more people are talking about yeah. it but I think you've also we've also all got to be aware that you can't just start chucking around oh I've, I've really struggled with my mental health this week I think there needs to be a bit more context around it mm. so so that that was my whole sort of thought process to to get people like yourself and other people I got involved but I'm really glad you said that because that that's sort of my experience of it I've had really times where I've felt down a lot and, and, mm. and probably experienced episodes of depression and those things right but 
yeah, it's like that. That's okay. It doesn't mean you're going to be like that forever, and and things change, and you you can work on it. It's about for me and what I'm learning myself and on my own journey is like it's about having habits and having practical things that you can lean on when yeah. tough things do get difficult that can help you ride that wave right and that can help you go through that difficult time and it's about it's, it's just about not not having that victim mindset and saying oh, I'm, I'm this because of this I'm this because of this yeah. I'm this because of this I feel like this because of this and and having that self-awareness go well actually I, I, I am capable of having a choice here yeah however it's okay to feel shit like yeah. that's okay like you're not going to feel great all the time <laughs> absolutely yeah so yeah I'm loving you pointed you pointed that out because it's I really like how you you um you put that is that yeah, it may change and, yeah. and things change. So I'm, I'm glad you said that. Good. Well, the other thing that I, I talk about and that I think is really important and, and people, it's, it's an obvious one. We all have physical health. Yes. And we all have mental health. Yeah, yeah. Yeah? If you broke your leg and you couldn't get into the office, yeah. everybody would be okay with that. Mm. Yeah? But where's, where does, where's the difference? Mm. Yeah? Would we expect somebody to still come in and work if they had a heart attack? Mm. You know, if somebody, and how would we help them recover? Mm. And then let's flip that to somebody, you know, struggling with, with, with an issue at some, at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's no different. Mm. And just like being able to go to a gym and improve your physical health, working on the personal development that you do yeah. on, on how to, you know, build resilience, yeah. little exercises, yeah. um, Another one of my favourites, you ask a quick go-to, a gratitude list. Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah, yeah I've been journaling for the last three years now, and that's helped a lot. And, and, and I'm, I, I, my poor kids, you know, I've got two teenage girls, and I suppose they are my guinea pigs. You know, I, every day, if they've had a, a bad day at school, oh, it's awful, and oh, everything, you know, the world's caving yeah. in. I say, well, tell me some good stuff that happened. Yeah, exactly. What, what, what was good? Well, that's what I mean. I think to get really practical and sort of to run that off... Um, is like I think that that was the biggest mindset change for me was like when you realize that you you do have a choice yeah like how you how you perceive things how you react to things um obviously the 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 route to blame is always 100% successful so like if you want to if you want to be unhappy because that person cut you up on the road you will be and I think when I realized that hang on a minute if this, if this, whatever happens in my life, I, I do actually have a choice, and I'm responsible and accountable for that choice. Mm. Then I can then choose what I focus on. Like yeah. if I have the worst day, I can focus on. You know what? I'm actually really grateful that I have this food in front of me or whatever. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get that, and it's like that. But when you, when you really, really, really realise that, it, it's a really good practical thing to have when your candidate drops out when things bad happen when you think fuck's sake this, yeah, this is so shit yeah it's just a great way to just make it like not as important and not feel as important and i think away. you know i think what you said is you, you've just touched upon something there about you know the actual nuts and bolts of the recruitment day yeah and it's why you know i'm trying to talk to managers i'm trying to get out there because the way in which we manage our teams and the expectations that we set on people yeah. Yeah, are going to have a direct impact, impact yeah. into how somebody is able to do that and to reframe. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And to be able to get a view of, right, yeah, that candidate's dropped out, but what else is going on? What, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What's like the it. good stuff? How do, how do I respond? Mm. I've had a terrible week or a terrible... How do I respond? How exactly, do yeah. I respond? So key. Yeah. Cool. So look, uh, before we finish then, what, um, what are we excited about? 
in uh, your world, Rhonda, what's going on? Um, what am I excited about? So I am... I'm working with some great companies at the moment and I'm excited to see that there are recruitment businesses out there, large and small, um, that are passionate about supporting the people that work for them for the right reasons. So I'm really excited about Mental Health um, Awareness Week. When is that? So that starts the 13th, 17th, Monday to Friday of May. Okay. And um, I'm just chocker. Um, really? yeah, I, d- I did a talk on mental health for APSCO a couple oh, wow. of weeks ago and I'm doing a webinar for women in recruitment next week. So oh, there's great. loads of good stuff going yeah. on and I'm meeting some brilliant people. That's along amazing. The way. And obviously, yeah, more and more people are aware of it and talking about it and want to see if they can help and those things, which is great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Last question, which I always like to ask if you could, um, communicate to, to every recruiter out there, they'd listen to Rhonda, it could be a phrase, sentence, anything. What would you say? I think we've already talked about it, and that's choose how you respond. Nice. You know, it's okay to feel emotion, whether it's good or whether it's bad, but you and only you has the choice of how you respond. Respond. Love that. It's been an absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed that. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming in. (laughs)